It's not that I don't want you here. Yeah, yeah. It's not about the way you stare into my eyes. I know that I don't make things clear. No. I fall for you every time I try to resist you. We can get away. Palm trees, beach views, ordinary day. All I wanna hear is in the visions I replay. Sit right next to you. back into watching PWX together. This week, Quentin, as a shout out to a, a pretty pretty, uh, pretty popular Southern wrestler, we are the Southern Saviors. Um, and uh, yeah, just to get, I guess, just to start it out with that, why why we are the Southern Saviors is uh, you did a little catch up on some Southern graphs, uh, particularly sub graphs in action, two promotions that I, if people have been following me, uh, used to review pretty regularly on This Week in Wrestling and always kind of gave pretty high marks to. Um, action, I mean, you know, we're involved with everybody, <laughs> or we know we're friendly with a lot of people involved in all the companies, but I'll just say it. Action, I think, is the better of the two companies, if I'm being honest. Uh, the shows that they produce, more consistent, easy to watch, easy to digest. But SUP is interesting, unique, and has its own lane that I think probably a lot of other people would like more. Um, it's just my personal taste, um, but yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually I'm actually disagree with you. I think Sup has really breezy shows to watch. Like if I had to pick one, it's where like I would just like throw their show on at like twelve, like twelve at night or one in the morning or whatever, and just throw it on the TV. I'd probably just throw on Sup just because it never lo- it never loses my attention, which is something I can't say for a lot of promotions. By the time we get to like the middle of the card for them. Right, and that's uh, that's why I say that I think that I can definitely see they have a unique style setting and what they're doing, and why I think other people would enjoy it more because it has more of that party time, good time feel. It has it's a lot more. I'll say a lot more modern. If we're being perfectly honest, it feels you know like you know you know what I thought of, and like certain people might hate the fact that they get this comparison, but it really feels of like if like like super early progress had like better production. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, just it, like just in terms of like setting, feel, even in like how like Jesse, like even if he's not inserting himself in storylines or whatever, Jesse feels like the face and voice of the company. Like when you think sup, you do think of Jesse. And I, I, I know some people might not like hearing that because they have like mixed emotions on progress, but 
that has a really early progress feel to it just in terms of like atmosphere and like 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 the, the people that you associate with the company i think like 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 jesse and brett eisen and smallman and jimmy havoc is like as close as it gets right yeah and instead of you know being uh punk rock progress or whatever like progress um you could see that like uh sup is like straight edge hardcore you know right wrestling like that's more of their vibe and they're maybe a little bit more uh to to steal a, uh, or just to reference something that me and one of the commentators of the company have talked about multiple times uh anarcho primitivism uh pro wrestling rather than punk rock pro wrestling but, <laughs> but yeah no i mean that's definitely a great shout and probably a good way to describe it and, and kind of exactly what i mean where i can definitely see why that vibe speaks to more people because it's it's of the mode it's you know it's it's more current and it's got a unique thing and it feels like a fun time and it, it, it like i said it feels like a party but similar to early progress similar to progress up until i mean probably even still to this day the wrestling doesn't suffer so there are companies that are really focused on that kind of vibe and party and all that stuff and then so then that means wrestling takes a back seat you know what i mean historically like kaiju big battle chikara to some extent but chikara even they do a really good job with like their wrestling being solid three to one battle you could say in some ways like the wrestling is is an afterthought you know there's a lot of companies attack that attack definitely the wrestling can take a back seat a lot of times places like that but but progress sup similar they're they have a vibe they have a fun time vibe they have a party vibe, but the wrestling is still treated seriously. You still got guys like Brett Eisen who come across like real badasses who, I mean, if you want to make a comparison, I guess maybe like the Jimmy Havoc, like in a weird way, but like not, he's not like Jimmy Havoc, but in a lot of ways, the ways he carries himself is kind of like Jimmy Havoc, you know, and you still take him seriously at the top and he's the big bad to try to be knocked off the hill. So yeah, that comparison is probably pretty spot on and probably even more spot on than we realize. I mean, it's a company if, that- If, if Brett Eisen didn't, get so over and have like that big viral moment um at that gcw show where he came out for that um as a mystery opponent and that nick gage thing it like and he was still a heel then i think the jimmy have a comparison would still be like exactly spot on right but because that happened and they sort of had to turn him face and they had to um get away from the o'Shea edwards and brett eisen feud now we're not now we're not exactly gonna see that through but like i said brett to jimmy is a pretty apt comparison yeah especially even t- thinking about the people that have you know he's run through the big time baby faces of the company and sure, like, like, even now even now like brett started as a face and turned heel right <laughs> yeah exactly same thing and he kind of turned heel against the company similarly to what jimmy havoc did you know he turned heel against the face of the company um brett eisen leaves you know uh uh dylan does he leave dylan or did he leave jesse either way he le- left one of them laying you know covered in the flag so it's kind of like yeah it's 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 definitely a pretty close comparison there uh, between the two, between the two companies, between the two wrestlers. And then you do have the the wacky guys underneath who you don't expect, you know, to to get over as big as they do. I mean, Marco Stunt shows up in AEW. You got guys like Mandrews showing up in, in TNA, you know, around the same time, like similar times early on when they're starting out the companies and getting popular. So, yeah, I mean, those, those comparisons are pretty there. Will Ospreay, you know, lovable baby face that everyone's super into uh goes to new you know new japan and you've got marco stunt going to uh to aew you know what i mean like there's a there's there's comparisons um so yeah what have you so what how far was your catch-up back in general and what are kind of your big thoughts on everything um i did all i did all the 2019 shows i hadn't watched any of those yet i watched i watched some of the stuff in 2018 
But also, I'll be honest. A lot of the reason why I haven't been able to watch Sup the way I would like to, given like the people that are involved, the people that um um wrestle like wrestle in the company and all that stuff. I like all of it. I like the I like the people there, but IWTV and even back when it was Firebomb TV always just ran super buggy for me. So I was never able to get through a show without it buffering. And by buffering, I mean like a whole lot of buffering. Like if I left it alone for 10 minutes, it would still be in the, still be in the exact same spot kind of stuff. And it just prevented me from being, from being interested in, in watching the shows and seeing that stuff through because like watching it became a chore. So I do this, I do this IWTV free trial thing. Um, do SCI so we can prepare watch SCI so we can prepare to do that show with Dylan and you know I still have a couple of days uh, like you know 18 19 days left after doing that so I'm thinking all right let me just go through everything else on here and do a catch-up so I thought about sub and I'm just in my room like for hours and hours watching these sub shows back to back to back and it's incredible because I can't do that for any other company I can't sit here and just watch whole shows back to back to back for anyone else. But something about sub really made that um conducive to just that like that binge setting. Um and I really I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed seeing people progress and um seeing like like put those things together like Alley Cat, someone that I've never thought was a particularly good wrestler. Alley Cat is great in sub had a string of legitimately great matches in the company and like blew me away and all culminated in a title match with Brett Eisen where it's like, in what world is that match nearly as good as it is? But for some reason just lands 100% perfectly. People like um Craig Mitchell, who I never had a, a, ton, a, ton, of, a ton of fondness for, I'm really enjoying and sub. Um, Manders, Marco Stunt, Cabana Man Dan, all like you know like so, somewhat newish people and seeing them really uh put everything together and stuff but Mar- margo's been there since the beginning but the they might be giants versus violence's forever tag from um those of fear tomorrow is like the best match in sub history in my opinion so that was like one of those times with marco just like absolutely clicked for me and i'm someone where marco hasn't always exactly done that because i think marco is someone that has a big personality and wants to be funny and all that stuff and it takes away from like what I could be enjoying in his wrestling but in that Violence Forever tag that was like completely on display yeah and I really enjoyed that match I uh you know I think I even reviewed it on this week in wrestling and, and talked about it my my only issues were the opening kind of setup what they were going for I knew I could tell what they were going for but I felt like it didn't quite work but it was relatively quick that they got through it where they kind of wanted to they were trying to subvert the narrative of what you would expect, which is, you know, violence is forever just beating the shit out of, of They Might Be Giants. So they go the other way, and then they have, you know, violence is forever is bleeding uh, within the first, like, yeah, yeah. Five, it, was inter- it was interesting. Like, it was interesting. Like, they take the heat first. Yeah. And then they, and then They Might Be Giants actually winds up pissing them off. And then you get this, like, crazy control segment with, like, Kevin Koo and Dom, Dom Negrini just, like, bloody as hell beating that, beat, beating up They Might Be Giants. It's like, like it's a really neat visual. Yeah, and 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 that really, I mean that that definitely uh, that definitely worked in in a way. I I like I said, I had my issues with it because it was like it, I felt like it just didn't, it kind of didn't fit this narrative, the structure. It didn't. There was something about they might be giants not having like the right kind of heat, but 
to like pull it off in my mind but that's also this is also me they did a great job and then like i said that was relatively quick and then once the match kind of kicked into what i was expecting it it definitely delivered and and i mean violence is forever great tag team and and for you as someone who just did the the catch-up relatively quickly on stuff like you saw their big matches back to back stuff like what they had in stuff with the Jollyville Fuckets, um, the match with the uh, the Work Horsemen, that they might be giant matches, which I think, if, you know, if I'm allowed to put it out there a little bit, you're talking about that in the conversation, match of the year kind of match, you know, maybe even match of the year happening on, you know, North American shores or whatever, but still in getting in that conversation, right? Um, yeah. So, like, obviously the Violence is Forever tag team, great, but what about Dom in there? I mean, he's a guy who maybe is... Not underappreciated, but maybe a little bit bubbling under the radar. Who could end up in the conversation for wrestler of the year? With the... Dom is Dom is like, and you, and again, we, like you've always liked Dom, yeah. And I've always always told you like, my issue with Dom is like the same era, the same issue I have with like Chihiro Hashimoto, where on the surface and on a base level, like I should like the i I really like the idea of these two wrestlers, like. Dom, this like legit like BJJ what purple belt yeah. and applies it in really neat ways and is super violent and mean that has an interesting look. He look he looks tough. I should like I should have really liked that, but for some reason Dom doesn't always land for me. He's got the Same stereotypical uh, high pitched voice on a badass dude thing, which is mm-hmm. like like Mike Tyson thing. You know what I mean? He's got that, yeah, which yeah, is the, cool. Yeah, the the Brock, the Brock Lesnar yes. like. Yes. <laughs> but like and then like Shihiro Hashimoto like has the amateur wrestling background is super super stoic and you know tries to like be like feel like this big strong ace that is able to power through everything and it doesn't and she doesn't always land for me and Dom in these gimmick matches man I don't know what the, I don't know what it is but Dominic Garini is one of the best gimmick match workers in the world like from the Joshua Bishop one in AIW. I know we had a Tom Lawler dog dog um dog collar match last year that was that was really good too. He has this violence is forever versus they might be giants tag and that and they knock it out the knock it out the park there too and it's just like it's so strange to me where Dom is at his best it feels like it's in these like wild chaotic settings and that's not something you'd expect for someone with Dom Dominic Garini's background. It's it really works, I think, because of that foundation, honestly. It's right. like getting to see something that you're not supposed to or something. And he takes to it super well. He's It's not like just a fish-out-of-water, you know, kind of uh, freak show, like, environment thing that works. It's like, it's the idea that this kid who, for all we know, he's like, you know, like Tom Lawler similarly, you know, who... Um, wanted to be a wrestler first and, and got into all the other stuff, you know, some Tommy and same thing got into kickboxing because they wanted to be a pro wrestler, but that was the option that made sense as a kid or when they were young or whatever. But there is something to the idea that like, it feels like wrestling has driven this good boy BJJ, you know, master practitioner into a, just a complete carny psychopath who does if all you this wa- wild if matches. You, if you go back, if you go back to 2016, where I'm pretty sure that's when Dom debuts and to now, He's a completely different person. Right. And yeah. And, and it's, it's so strange. And the feeling of it being, yeah, that like re- pro wrestling lifestyle, pro wrestling in general has like corrupted this good boy <laughs> into this monster is fucking awesome. And, and, and the great thing about it is he's got that background and he's got that believability to where um, he, you know, like he's not just like 
a psychopath who does garbage brawling stuff. He is a legitimate badass who can take you apart. He can have regular matches. He can do all this stuff, but he's also just like shows no disregard for anybody else's safety. You're, you know, you talked a lot about all the gimmick matches he had, but one that I think we both recently watched, the Submitter Surrender with Tim Donson, AIW. Another insane fucking great gimmick match. And, like, honestly, maybe, like, an all-time... Not all-time, but, like, a miracle worker-level case, like, you know, having a great match with a guy who really doesn't have great matches. You know, and he pulls it out there. So, yeah, I mean, again, this is supposed to be sub conversation, but Dom has been such a big part of sub that it's really hard to not... You know, talk about him a lot and here. And still, like, super, still like super protected because they're using him to get over new guys. Like, the reason why Dom is so synonymous with Sup is because he's been used to get everyone over. Used to get Marco Stunt over. They were even using... They used him slightly to get Logan Stunt over. Using him to get Ma- Manders over. Like, Dom is the measuring stick in Sup in a lot of ways. And when someone eventually beats him in Sup, it's going to feel like the biggest thing that ever happened in the company. And... Right. I think I think they've done as good. I think a lot of the thing with Dom is I feel like people didn't ever present him the right way. So in a lot, in a lot of Dom stuff up until he gets to like this sub run, even like recently, I feel like Dom isn't presented as like strong and dominant as like the personality and charisma he exudes. Dom is a strong personality, even if he's not like a big talk or whatever. It's the presence, it's the swagger, it's like the look in his face. He looks like he means business. And to see him like losing down the card is like okay that doesn't like you know in, in your in your brain it doesn't compute because what you're seeing is a guy who feels like like a top legit star that could knock out anybody in the company, which is why I think it's like sup when they did that Dominic Garini open challenge on one of those shows landed so much for me because it's like finally like the lightning went off like that's how you should be booking Dominic Garini like he should be absolutely destroying people like every single person comes out there and they get annihilated. It doesn't matter what they're doing. If they want to strike with them, if they want to fly, they want to play tricks. Dominic Garini has an answer for it and he puts them away. And I think Dom is someone where you really need to build around him because his sort of presence and aura commands that. Yeah. And I think a lot of places that have used him have completely missed the boat on that. And you're, you're totally right on that. And it's, it's interesting because I think it's easier now, probably for a place like beyond to book him in a random tag team match with Kevin Koo because Violence Since Forever has a vibe. They can really deliver what they're trying to deliver pretty easily without a lot of background or anything else that you need around it. So it's a lot easier to just bring them out and let them have a badass tag team match and then they'll get over from that. Instead of, like you said, I think that Dom otherwise needs to be used properly and so many places just didn't because they didn't... I don't know, maybe don't see it in him, don't understand it. It seems pretty basic and easy to me, but... You talked about him getting, you know, everything over, and I thought about it like he, he getting people over. He got the their belt over. I mean, in a lot of ways, his title run helped legitimize the title. He drops it to Ison, and then you know, like you talked about, pretty quickly. Easily. He dropped. He dropped it. He dropped it. The he dropped it. The, dropped it to Marco in like a oh, fluky yes, way. Yes. Then Marco dropped it to Ison, but like still, like like really like defined that belt. Right, and then he moves into the tag team really quick, so you don't have him just why isn't he going back after the title blah 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 well you know what i mean like you don't have to worry about any of that it makes sense he's focusing on the tag team so really smart booking of him in sup really used super well but there's a lot of other guys that are used really well when you talk about how sup the shows flow by i think you're right in in and i think that part of why they flow by is because there's not a lot of bullshit for lack of a whatever you know you know what i have i have a i have a i have a interesting um hot take for you i don't want to see how you feel about it 
since this person works between both action and sup, the companies we're, we're talking about right now, I think AC Mack is better in sup than he is in action. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. Go. AC Max, like the level of heat that he gets in sup is like I don't I can't remember anyone that's gotten that kind of heat in wrestling like in like indie wrestling for a long time. And he gets really strong heat in action. But something about the sup heat is like so visceral. I I'm like maybe it's like a little immature of me, but I think like the fact that sup isn't a PG product like action is so you get like the cursing and like the vitriol and Matt gets the curse back at the crowd and the crowd's cursing at him and all that stuff. It just, it feels different. It feels like actual hatred. And then like, even like the stuff Mac is doing, like coming out and attacking Mr. Brickster and like the level of heat he's getting for attacking him and then beating him in like a minute in the promo he, in the promo he cuts after. And the Logan stunt one where he comes in and just blasts Logan stunt with a chair and they have this completely wild match where he's throwing Logan stunt into all these things and the heat that he's getting in basement East. I don't know, man, for me, the heat that AC Mac gets in sup might, might be a little bit more than he gets in action. He might be like a really good champion in action. Like he's like, I, like the slim J match that he just had on the last action show, I think was great. Probably the best match on the show, but I don't know, man. That that heat he gets in sup is different. Yeah, and I mean, I can definitely see that argument. To say that he's just better there, I don't know that I would agree yeah, with. Yeah, 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 because he hasn't really had matches there for the most part. Right, and also, like, I think his performances are really good in action, but you, t- you mentioned it, and I think it's fair to point out that, like, it's totally different styles of crowds. Action is a lot of kids, and the kids get really hyped, and, and they go crazy for the baby faces, but they don't have that the same kind of mentality that a lot of drunk, you know, young men have where they want to say a bunch of drunk, a bunch of drunk white hardcore dudes. Like, yeah. Who want to like flip off the the heel and say shit to him as opposed to action. I think that the, the crowd there, because it's predominantly kids, predominantly families, they're more inclined to cheer for the baby face to beat up the heel than they are to boo and go crazy at the heel. And that's kind right. of, I think what it comes down to. So I think that, you could see that Mac has done a great job in that regard in action by helping to like anyone he faces feels like a huge baby face and the crowd goes crazy for him. They want him to win. So I definitely get what you're saying. He definitely gets a more visceral heat and the crowd definitely can't stand him. And it's fun to see him playing something different. And also part of it too is action. He's, he was on the first show. He was literally the guy who opened the first show with a promo. So mm-hmm. in action, it's almost as much as the crowd hates him, he's their guy and he's intrinsic to the company so much in sup it's nice because he he's kind of a little bit of an outsider who's coming in and i think it's yeah, easier he, to... yeah, outsider invader like especially when he comes in and fucks like, he comes in and fucks up the show right so i think that it's kind of like what the fuck is this guy he doesn't he shouldn't be here shouldn't be pulling this shit and that's just it's kind of especially better. because like dylan like dylan sells it so well in commentary like every single time ac matt comes out it's like oh what yeah. the fuck why is he here why does he keep getting a microphone why do we keep letting this happen like he feels like an actual disruption right and i think that's something that a lot of wrestling like doesn't have like there's something that CM Punk was really good at too. When CM Punk was um, you know even on the even on the indies and like even like in WWE especially when Punk came out, it felt like he broke the show. Right. Like everything about like the typical format of a wrestling show felt like it broke when CM Punk came out, and I feel like AC Mack has that same quality where like everyone's having fun, it's good, it's flowing how a wrestling show should, 
and then here comes AC Mac, just like, why, like, why, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's definitely a great way to describe it, and it's, it's, it's true, and it does. I think it does work, and I think, like I said, I think it works better too because it's an invader heel that people don't like. In action, he feels like he's part of the foundation of the company as much as they dislike him, you know. And honestly, part of I think a thing that mess with Mac now, unfortunately, is that like the stuff with Team Tag, Billy Buck, and Matt feels like the real heat of the company and ac mac is he's a heel and people dislike him but he's not the main focus when it comes to heat of you know snidely heels doing bullshit unfortunately for him so yeah i can definitely see where you're coming from on that um and i wouldn't argue it we'll see as as he continues obviously he deserves to continue to get more and more bookings i hope honestly i hope more and more people open their fucking eyes to how good ac mac is i mean to hear the way Dylan talked about him, and it's something that I agree with too, but it's just nice to have someone who validates it in some ways to be like, this guy is fucking phenomenal. I mean, you comparing him to CM Punk feels right, and it's like, yeah, like, how often do you get someone who really can compare to someone like that? I mean, for whatever your opinion of Punk, you know, as a person, as, you know, whatever, all this stuff, as a wrestler, all that, you can't argue that he isn't, like, in a lot of ways, legendary in the history of wrestling. There's not... No, look, if anyone told me CM Punk wasn't legendary, I don't respect their opinion. Like, yeah. clearly you have, like, whatever, like, bias and shit that's in your brain that you can't accept, like, how much of an impact he had, both on, like, independent wrestling and on WWE. So if you're going to sit here and tell me that CM Punk isn't, like, a legendary figure, then, like, <laughs> yeah. like I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, we can't talk wrestling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, maybe you have that thing where, like, anyone who started wrestling after 99 can't be good or something which there are people that kind of seem to feel that way but it's like yeah i mean the guy in the pantheon of names in the history of wrestling there's there's not a lot who come close and if you want to argue like oh he didn't draw enough or whatever fine that's i don't care but who there's not a lot of people who've meant as much to wrestling and been as great of performers in a lot of different ways than punk like you know so so yeah ac mack being compared to someone obviously he's not at that level yet but he is really fucking good and there's something there and more and more people need to give him a shot and more and more people need to uh be paying attention because it's just like super impressive um before we um before we move on to the you know action show and give some thoughts on that because i don't think we're going to review the whole thing or anything like that um so if you had to pick one match in sup that was like the main thing you want to see like what is it right now oh like moving forward yeah, like, moving forward, like, oh. as stuff goes on, like, what's the main match, like, you want to see? I mean, obviously, <laughs> the O'Shea-Eisen, um, like, singles rematch is, like, the real thing I want to see. But who knows where that's going? The stuff with O'Shea seems to be all over the place, so it's hard to hard to say. Um, if I really wanted to say something that I think, like could only really happen there could be fucking awesome there um and would be a lot of fun to play off of what we already just talked about but it'd be like violence is forever versus uh brickster and alley cat just to have the (laughs) the baddest motherfuckers in the company versus the biggest baby faces in the company now um i think would be a lot of fun um for me like i know know you're, you're gonna agree with this one for sure uh, definitely Dominic Greeny versus Logan Stunt. Like, that's... Ooh. Yeah, that's definitely the one for me where I'm like, hey, look. <laughs> you know, you got some months, you got some months left, but that is a big... That's one of those matches where I don't even care who wins that. I just really, really want to see that match. 
Yeah, definitely. Like the, like the, the tease we got in that Dominic Arini open open challenge of Dom versus Logan was like, man. <laughs> Logan's another one, man. I think that me and you and a few other people are starting to really appreciate how good he is. But uh, he's another Logan one. Logan for like, and again, it probably gonna sound weird to people that already liked like that liked Marco. But like I said, my problem with Marco was that Marco tries to be like so funny a lot of the time. And it's not exactly like a problem or anything, but that's why like Marco's matches don't exactly land for me the way they might for some people, just because I like like the humor of, oh, how old are you? Old enough to fuck your mom. Oh, like like that's like that wore off for me. Like that novelty is done. And Logan feels like he doesn't have any of that attached to him. So I'm, I'm more interested in Logan's matches than Marco's because of that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping we get some more some more stuff with him. And especially stuff like matches with Dom. Stuff with other people who have some kind of shoot background. I would love to start seeing more and more of that from him. But uh, I guess we can move into... Do you want to talk about action a little bit? Or what do you think? Yeah, we can talk about the action show. Okay. So this action show, I hear a lot of people saying action show best action show yet i don't know if you've seen all of them but uh i don't think that's a crazy yeah, it, take yeah i've seen, I've seen most of the action shows okay but. yeah and there's they've had a lot of good shows but i think overall this could be the best show um it's weird for me i probably would still say the one with um kane versus dom and uh yeah, High versus Royal and Theory versus Mac. I I would still probably say that I think that show also had um, did that show also have Slim J versus Cam Carter. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, 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 that show is probably probably still the best to me. Fair, but those are a lot of good yeah, matches. Yeah, like that, like that's a really good show. Yeah. Um, but I I probably I probably put this one second. Like AC Mac AC Mac versus Slim J, Benjamin Car- Benjamin Carter versus Sean Dean. Logan versus Logan versus Eric Royal, Billy Buck versus Marco Stunt. It's that's that's it's a really good show, but I'd probably just put it behind that that first one I just named. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I can definitely see that if you're looking just at kind of fireworks, big matches. There was uh, some big time great matches on that show. Um, so it's it's hard to. Oh, actually, you know what? That sh- that show had Slim J versus Ike Cross. Point cross, yeah, oh, that, that, which is also good. Oh, that, that was yeah, that was also really good too. Yeah, that's not as good as the Slim J Cam Carter match, but also still yeah, really yeah. Good. And that Fry Daddy match, which no one will remember, probably the it was like Cravon Canyon versus Fry Daddy. That was actually better than I would have expected it to be. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty good show. Um, the show, I mean, I can see that because you're looking at the fireworks on that show, and you've got some big time bangers. But this show, to me, it felt like the way that stuff flowed. The quality of the matches, maybe nothing. Hmm, I was gonna say maybe nothing at the level of the Mac Theory because that for me was the mat- the show of the 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 match of the show. Um, personally, I could see other people going other ways for sure, but maybe nothing came to that level. Probably the closest thing being Yehi and Stevens. Um, I don't. I I really I really did like AC AC Mac versus Slim J. Yeah, me too. Which I, think, I yeah, I thought yeah. I thought that was really good. I think that's I think that match is getting lost in everything because right. obviously like Eric Stevens coming to action, Eric Stevens being on his big return run, like that's cool to a lot of people. Marco Stunt versus versus Billy Buck and Marco's last action match and all that. Like both of those are really good matches. So I think, but I think there's like other factors as to why like those are getting talked about more. Right. 
AC versus Slim J was just like a really good title match. Right, and it's what you would expect, and it felt like a match that's been building to for a while in the company, um, with just you know Slim J being kind of one of the top, if not the top babyface really in the company. Um, you might argue Fred is above him, but Fred feels Fred feels a little bit more like a special attraction guy here, mm. unfortunately, and Slim J feels more like the babyface of the company. Um, and Mac being the top heel. So that's, yeah, I mean, there's background. And it was a great match. And I said the yay high Stevens, but really thinking about it, I mean, I wouldn't say that that match was bad, but I wouldn't say it was that great. So Mac versus Slim J might have been my the, my favorite match on the show. Um, unless I would go with maybe AJ Gray versus Manders, actually. Which yeah, like, that, so, was, that yeah. was that was really fun. That fucking ruled, so it's kind of hard to argue with that. Um, I, want, I need to interview AJ Gray. <laughs> He, yeah, really that would be a lot of fun, honestly. Um, he, because AJ is like, because you just wouldn't think it. Like, like obviously, like AJ was probably doing like a more typical pro wrestler Twitter at some point, but now that he just like does like this full on like regular Twitter dude gimmick, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's the funniest thing in the world to see him come out there and just like chop the shit out of people. It's so funny. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's working for him. Honestly, I like his, I like his Twitter game right now. He, uh, he's definitely doing it. He's definitely a poster. And I like, I like seeing, a, a, he never, he, he never, he never logs off. You got to respect it. He do, You really do. You got to respect it. Um, he, uh, but yeah, he, he's, he's really come into his own. There was some, I think it was when he returned, he had kind of left. He had said he was going to retire. I think he may have gotten injured something. I don't fucking know. Um, but, uh, he came back and he's, he was a lot better when he came back and he's progressing. He's getting even better and going up against a guy like Manders is perfect for kind of what is making him so good right now. Um, is that he's just two bulls locking it up. And like, realistically, he's probably not that big. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, um, compared to like, you know, giants in the history of wrestling, but he carries himself really well. And he comes across like a badass. Now he, does some stuff that shows off his athleticism, but really keeps it pretty simple and honestly is much better for it. Um, and the match with Manders was, you know, by the numbers, kind of hoss fighty, but two very athletic guys who who can mix it up in different ways um, and not just, uh, you know, not just doing the big man stuff, but can do some, some high-paced offense as well. Two guys with a lot of fucking badass charisma too. So, I mean, that match leapt off the page to me. I mean, that was, like I said, I probably could talk myself into saying that was my favorite match on this whole show manders is like something that something we didn't really talk about manders a lot when we, talk, we were talking about sup but like you know as far as far as guys that have like come through from this like southern indie scene and have gotten dubbed as like you know quote unquote the guys manders is definitely the one where like immediately i was like yep yeah, i get it yeah like man manders is like <laughs> all right i got i got no problem here and like what- marco was marco was again like marco was like the comedic aspect was just like wasn't like wasn't for me especially when he's like trying to do this small under like underdog baby face thing i think that i just like the com that combination wasn't doing it for me but like i like small underdog baby faces but because of the comedy marco was off the mark manders is just came in i'm like all right that like that's my guy i like i like him <laughs> yeah and and for all intents and purposes seems like a good guy i actually accidentally had a, a twitter kind of conversation with him just recently i didn't 
I didn't expect him to respond or do anything or, or know or care, but I was just tweeting because I saw people talking about matches that they wanted to see Manders have. And they're kind of, people are calling out the same kind of everybody knows big men. And of course it'll be fun or, you know, guys for him to throw around or this and that. But I was thinking like, you know, who d- doesn't get any respect for being a badass similar to Manders is, is Dave Turner, the three to one battle champion, their solid steel champion. Um, I think he's still got the belt. He might not have the title anymore, actually. Um, but uh, but uh, I was like, those two guys, really similar, could probably lock it up and, and, and have a badass match. And uh, Manders responds to me and is like, yeah, we actually crossed paths at a All Japan tryout, which is nuts to think about that both those guys had a tryout and they had a match against each other, which will never see the light of day, obviously, because it's, you know, this is just for training purposes or whatever um but like just seems super nice probably super nice guy for all intents and purposes but has the vibe of just an instant badass dick kind of ex-football jock type guy uh when he first showed up in sup it was a little like what the fuck they stuck him with um with uh, teddy king and uh, I, 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 i really like that though like i i thought that had like a ton of potential yeah especially like with like the Jaden newman slow burn face turn that was in the works and then Teddy and then Teddy King just quits wrestling, and it's like, oh, they kind of ruined that. Yeah, like not like obviously not like not like Sub's fault, but like Teddy, but Teddy King retire, like, retiring and leaving wrestling really ruined that. And then not only that is, so we get to SCI and Manders is all around SCI and um on futures. Was he wasn't he in that scramble to decide who was gonna um yeah be, like enter the tournament? He was in that. Then he's in Sub. He gets a huge reaction on that post SCI Sub show. And the crowd sort of turns him face, and it's like, oh, like I get it. Manders is like really likable and cool, and but they're kind of ruining it. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, I would, I, I was really liking him as a, a, yeah, as a badass heel. The Teddy King stuff in general, I'm with you. Like I, I, I really am. I, I was really bummed out that Teddy King disappeared like he did. Um, not as bummed out as the promoters, from what I've been told. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but. Yeah, because I same with you. I thought that the team with him and Jaden Newman seemed like it had legs. Um, the stuff with Manners coming in, I was a little bit, I was a little shaky. Or I guess what I say is not that I was shaky on it, but it was just like it felt like ah, this poor guy he gets debuted in this weird way, and then this guy disappears, and then you like kind of don't know what the fuck is going on, you know? So it's like oh, he could totally just lose like any focus or anything or any momentum, but he doesn't. He keeps the momentum, and like you said, he kind of gets turned babyface. The sub crowd, I think, is going to really like him moving forward. And you can't blame people for liking him. I mean, he is a guy that I'm with you. I think there's a lot of fun in a in a heel character for him. But it's kind of like I compared him to Goldberg. I think a lot of people are going to compare him to Goldberg. But it's similar. Like, you're not really able to have a heel version of this kind of guy. There's just something about him that that's infectious the crowd wants to root for, you know? Yeah, I, I get it. Like, but I guess because I thought... <laughs> something I, I really got to give Manders credit for is even after that stuff happens and Manders debuts in a weird way, but then it all gets put together with him, they deb- like getting put together with uh Teddy King and Jade Newman is like sort of like new varsity club way. And then Teddy King leaves and you would think like, Oh, well, Manders just going to like, you know, feel like a, feel like a regular guy now. No Manders picks it up and he feels like he manages to feel even bigger after that. Yeah, and a lot of people can getting kneecapped like that can really fuck them up. 
But, uh, but yeah, I mean, going through the card some more, I mean, impressive, really impressive. We talked about Logan Stunt. We both really like Logan Stunt. So him having a badass match with, you know, one of the, one of the best wrestlers who no one fucking gets to see because he just doesn't do anything, Eric Royal, um, was like, okay, yeah, awesome. And then I don't know about you, but, you know, after that, I'm thinking, well, now Marco's going to come out here and I won't say stink out the joint, but he's just like not going to have as good of a match, not be as good as his brother was. But Billy Buck and Marco Stunt fucking kill it. Great match from them, too. You know, best best Marco Stunt singles match I can remember. Yeah, I mean, fucking great stuff. Billy Buck is so good. The heel work, like, just everything about it, phenomenal. Um, yeah, Eric Stevens, yay high. I mean, I could see thinking it was disappointing. Um, what that ruled? <laughs> but I, like I said, I could see someone thinking it was disappointing because they were expecting more. But I think that the promo that Eric cuts beforehand really helps for me to set the table for what the match is going to be. I loved that, that he says, I, I'm not, you know, washed up, but kind of, you know, I'm not as fast. I'm not as strong. I've been off wrestling for like 10 years. You're better than me. You're probably a better wrestler than me, even at my best at my prime. Um, but you know, I'm going to take you down. I'm going to make this quick and I'm just going to take it to you. And I thought that that was really cool. And then we get into the match and he pretty much delivers on it. I mean, Eric Stevens just brings the action but Yehai stands toe-to-toe with him the whole way. And I was thinking about it as I'm watching this. Yehai's in a really interesting position in in action comparatively because he is, in a lot of ways, he is in the prime of his career. And it really feels like he had this badass feud with Eric Royal where he was the focus. And then after that, I won't say meandering, but he feels like he's a just a special attraction guy who who comes in for matches here and there. He's not on every show. And he has the big time matches and then sometimes he has, you know, different, a little bit different stuff and he gets to show off some other stuff. I talked about it on This Week in Wrestling, getting to, getting to kind of work to put over younger people and stuff like that. But he really feels disassociated because in a lot of ways it feels like, I was thinking about it, I'm like, why isn't Fred Yehai going for the championship really at all? And it is because he feels like an attraction guy and not like a member of the roster, if that makes sense. Yeah, we're... we're yeah, which which makes sense. Like he's sort of like the, I don't, I, I don't know. Like I don't know, like, I don't know what you would be a good comparison here. But you know, like back in the early like early ROH days, like how I was like low, like Loki was the first champ and all that. But but eventually they transitioned to Xavier, and it's like, well, Loki doesn't need that. Loki's there to establish the rest of the roster who right. may not have been and may not have been as known or as strong. Like Christopher Daniels is there for that same reason, like just like help legitimize the roster and that's not a bad spot for fred yehi who was the mvp of wwn for a for a pretty good amount of time like he's a guy that even if you don't know how long you're going to have fred but you can use him to help build up everybody else yeah and that's that's fair and it's 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 interesting because roh as you were talking about that i thought about it, and roh did a really good job of um of taking the three guys from the the beginning of the kind of the company, the round Robin tournament guys, the guy who's had, who had the big three way with Daniels, Loki and Brian Danielson and getting them over early on and establishing them and then turning around and really not making them the focus at the top from there, but using them more as attraction and as ways to get over other people. You know, Danielson obviously had a pretty solid title run eventually. um, But it felt like because he was off and on coming and going, um, and not always 100% there. He was treated, he was like established with the other two. All three of them were established and then they were used exactly like you said to help legitimize the people who you can have on every show, the guys who can become your key talents and your focus. So 
doing something like that with Yehai makes sense, I guess. But it also, it, it's odd because he just, I don't know, he feels like he really should probably just be the, the focus of the company. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. I mean, this match with Stevens kicked ass um, for sure. But like I said, I could see people expecting more of a dream match. Um, you know, just because you think about, oh, Stevens is coming back from retirement and he's going up against someone like Freddie Aja who's really fucking good. And I won't say that it wasn't a great match, but it, 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 I don't think it ends up in the match of the year conversation, which I think that maybe you could have talked yourself into thinking it might, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we talked about Mac and Slim J some, we've talked about most everything here. Is there any other things you want to talk about from the action show before we go? Uh, no, just like, I think as like, like us calling it the, like probably like the, you know, you could argue with it's the, you could argue it's the first, um, I'll probably call it the second, but at worst, the second best show in action history, watch it on pirate, watch it on um, independent wrestling TV. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. Really worth your time. Like from be from beginning to end, it's, it's, de- it's definitely worth it. Yeah. It's, and it's definitely a watch everything show. I, I say watch the whole thing, but something that I yeah. maybe not as much of a watch everything show was, uh. I, I, I took the, the time to watch the Zona 23 show. Um, I don't know. You didn't get a chance to check it out, right? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to check it out. And uh, I was thinking about it just because I saw so many people on my timeline talking about it. But at the same time, it's like, I've seen Zona 23 before. Right. So I, I was I was also really confused as to why like I saw so much talk about it happening on the timeline. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's on IWTV, like we were just talking about, right? Um so that's probably part of it. People who maybe didn't get a chance or haven't gone out of their way to watch it before were like, oh, what's this? You know, maybe not new, maybe not something they've never heard of, but something that's a lot easier to get to, um, right? So possibility that that's why more people were getting into it. There was some interesting stuff. I've, I've, I think I've watched, I've watched everything but the main event at this point. Um, I heard, uh, like, I've heard, I've heard, like, the women's match was just, like, insane yeah the women's match was was pretty fucking crazy uh sadika versus sadika maiden or i guess um or sadik maiden um some crazy shit obviously you've seen zona 23 before so you know you know especially the shows that they're having that are basically in like a um uh, junkyard (laughs) yeah parking lots junkyards like yeah um crazy stuff opening match was pretty dope i thought freelance looked great um He's one of the freelance, freelance, freelance always looks great. Yeah, he's one of the few lucha guys. I, I said it in the Slack, but it's true. He's one of the few lucha guys that like makes me wish that I could watch more lucha, but I just I can't because it's like the few you know in between times where he does some cool shit and has a good match. It's like so much other garbage that it just makes it not worth it to me. Um, right. You know, lucha's tough like that too for me as well because it's like I'll get invested in the undercard guys and then there'll be no rhyme or reason to why nothing ever happens with them and they just stay in the same. It's like at least in you know american indies or wwe or something you can like see that people who deserve it seem to move forward and then other people like whatever but like lucha it feels like there's guy a lot of guys who just go their entire career being like a nothing bottom of the card guy even when they're really fucking talented you know um so that's kind of part of you know that um you know the weird thing about the show is i mean like coming out of it there's you know the picture of uh mc hardbody uh with his rim job shirt that's kind of on the i saw people online getting into that um and just people talking about the show in general and what goes on in zona 23 um as like i don't know it's really scuzzy there's like the five-way match that that hard body is in is like really bad (laughs) like if i'm perfectly honest it's like it's a lot of sloppiness i see the the 
uh, Oveta Jr. who ends up winning the match. At some point in the match, like I see him break a um, a bundle of light tubes and then goes to grab him to d dig him into someone's head. I think it was a uh, like Phoenix Kid or someone. Um, but like the guy's got a mask on and he's digging light tubes into his forehead on the mask. And I'm watching it and I'm like, the way he's holding that is all wrong to where he's just holding the sharp shards with his bare hand on like the sharpest. <laughs> and I'm just like, this guy's going to fucking slice his own hands up so bad on this. And it just looks dumb. Cause you're, even if you believe that like, sure, it's like a light tube, it's glass. You could push it through a mask theoretically. Like it doesn't look as good and it's not believable. People are just like, you're just pushing it on someone's mask and you're cutting your own hand. And then lo and behold, a few minutes later, I see him and he's having someone pour water on his hand because there's a bunch of blood coming out of his hand and he's trying to get it to stop. And I'm just like, yeah, you cut your own fucking hand up because you just held the light tube right on the broken shard like an idiot while you're doing something. Like, what the fuck? So just a lot of stupid shit. Then you got, like, you know, Black Terry for Adam Morgan. They have to have a no contest in a three-way because nobody can take a, you know, take a loss kind of lucha bullshit. Flystar Toxin TLC match was a lot of fun, a lot of wild, crazy shit. Fly, like, Flystar, Flystar and Toxin are really good. So, like, yeah. uh, like I imagine that was, that, like, their that was pretty good, right? Yeah, that kicked ass, and that was really awesome. There's a lot of cool stuff, but it does feel... I hate to say it, but, like, the, the there's the, the Fremis Zona 23 seven-way from last year that kind of got a lot of people's attention which was good you know um i don't know what you thought about it did you have it in your match of the year conversation no it was just like you know just like wild batshit stuff but again i don't know like i've seen zona 23 before and just like like i don't know why that particular match just captured everyone's imagination but like okay it was good and wacky and had a whole bunch of crazy shit but it wasn't like it wasn't like anything like that was super stand out to me but it feels like the rest like the wrestling fan segment of that is like gotten to me at least it feels like it's out of control i don't know do you think that like it's gone further than it has before or that it's like i don't, I don't negative like negatively impacting wrestling well, i mean it's like i think to me the zona 23 thing i don't know you can tell me if i'm off base like doesn't it feel like they're like the natural, like a natural extension based off like the like GCW's popularity and like GCW, like people will defend GCW as like this, like well GCW makes stars and GCW draws a whole bunch of crowds and that's cool, but like a lot of GCW was like super memey and ironic and a lot of people weren't actually calling this stuff good. Like granted, they had good stuff, like they had the Nick Gage versus Tremont trilogy, really good stuff. Like the deathmatch tournaments were usually pretty good, but. Again, as we're getting into Joey Janela's spring break and all the other stuff, I think that's when, like, the irony part starts creeping in. And to me, it sort of feels like, like a natural extension of that sort of fandom. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, me and you, we've talked plenty about UK wrestling. But one guy who recently has kind of, like, I guess became one of the poster boys, one of the love boys from that was paul robinson like that segment of the fan base are like feel like they're obsessed with paul robinson right now um constantly hear people talking about him basically like as a as a joke he's all he's all he's become like you know like like a chuck norris joke kind of level thing where it's like everything no it's it's, it's no it's because of like um because mark haskins had the same thing happen to him where he cut that promo right. and then like for some strange reason like a couple years later every like it's like someone brings up the promo and then it became like this big meme all over the place of Mark Hassan just like cur like cursing like cursing up a storm. We talking yeah. about Trent Seven, and then like that just became this big thing. 
And I think that sort of same thing happened to Paul Robinson. And like I understood the Mark Hastings one because like even back then, like again, we were both like watching all the progress shows at that point. Even back then, right. that shit was really goofy. Like that promo was definitely like something worth being made fun of. The Paul Robinson thing, I don't exactly get, just because. I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't think it was as goofy as DeMarc Haskins one. Right. And I mean, like, he definitely has, historically has his issues, I'll say, Paul Robinson. Um, he's been weird. I I always, I mean, I loved his kind of the entrance with the, you know, whatever fucking white boy rapper, British rapper song that he would have. And he'd come and stare down people's faces and stuff as, as the, and, and that whole kind of era. But it's like, to me, that was almost more able to be lampooned and ridiculed when he was doing that whole thing then now even now is like definitely goofy for sure but um yeah i mean i saw this promo that he cuts in the ring talking about uh uh david star and being an indie wrestler and it's you see you know what it is like i think because of just like i don't know the way the way commentary and the way like certain segments of british wrestling fandom talk about paul robinson it was like an easy target. Like people talk about Juice, like Paul Robinson as being like so intimidating and so frightening and so good and so real and too good for, and too good for British independent wrestling and all that stuff. Like sort of like the unsung hero of the scene. And I feel like, especially with all this stuff going on right now, where Paul Robinson kind of by default has become one of the bigger stars in the scene again, I think it's sort of easier to make of him now like I, I don't i don't know that's that's how it seems to me definitely i can see that and i think that him being taken seriously is is and being like a top guy i definitely i guess i can see how coming from the outside it might look ridiculous but i mean there's weirdly i mean like i'm almost kind of like if you're if kind of the basis of mocking him is that that like again like on its face it looks kind of ridiculous and the way that he acts is ridiculous but it's like but not having based that on like seeing the come up and everything else involved with him and what makes it so that he's a guy who's considered legitimate by that fan base is like i don't know how far away is that from jim Cornette saying that you know orange cassidy is terrible because he sees a meme of him having his hands in his pockets it's like well, 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 well i know that i agree with that but you also like you know that's the internet right and especially like with certain people, like they're just gonna they're looking for something to make fun of because, I uh, like that's like you know that's like that's what they get, you know that's what they get the most out of out of life like you know, finding something to make fun of and constantly like, lampoon and call bad and make fun of and like and they'll meme to death like, that's what some people get out of wrestling, and, like you're right it's like it's not like super far off right from. Uh, from like you know from jim Cornette calling out every like calling out all these people and not not having actually like watched this stuff or knowing the context or even like watching whole matches like people that don't like orange cassidy and call him all these kinds of things like irony and meme and all that probably aren't watching whole orange cassidy matches right or probably aren't paying attention to entire orange cassidy matches because if you actually watch them you see that orange cassidy will do all that stuff and then get serious so like you know i i get i get what you're saying i guess i'm just gonna chalk it up to like certain people just like to meme and fuck around and not take anything seriously and that and that's what they want to do then that's fine but like you know i don't really go for go to them to like talk like talk to them about wrestling at that point right and that my thing is i guess i don't i don't mind either i'm kind of you know like 
it's not a secret. Right? Yeah, like, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, like I don't mind it. Like, but even like, like you're not far off from that. Like you, like you, like you joke around in similar in similar ways. Like, so it's not like you have a problem with it. Right. My thing is like, um, you know, there's no, there's no, um, like it's not a secret or anything, but it's not like something I do. But I, you know, I did stand up comedy and comedy podcasts and all this kind of stuff, and I've talked about it on here and I've talked about stuff in general. Like, I'm pretty open to the idea that you can kind of do whatever you want and like. You know, there's the whole concepts of, like, theories of wrestling and should where should you be, or not wrestling, of comedy and, like, should you be punching down or should you, you know, if you're coming from a place of, of, of privilege, you should be trying to use your voice in positive ways and all this. And I don't necessarily know that, like, that has to be true, but I do think that, like, there are people who, if you're making jokes about stuff, you should, like, stop and think, like, the basis of your joke, most humor, a lot of the basis of the humor is ignorance or feigned ignorance honestly there's a lot of humor where the joke is like even if you don't realize this as you're making the joke part of what you're making in the joke is like that what you're saying is coming from someone who's ignorant about all sides of a topic that's what makes it kind of interesting or whatever or or kind of novel and funny because you don't understand something completely or you're coming at it from a different way than most people who are just used to something being a certain way and don't really dig into it deeper um they just kind of go with what it is kind of don't think or say or it doesn't cross their mind because something is just inherently part of what they're doing so my point for saying all that is that like i feel like people who enjoy doing all this meme stuff are also people that are like yeah like fuck jim Cornette. he's an old he's you know crusty old man he doesn't know don't like don't get but it's like he's kind of doing the same thing as you he just he doesn't understand something completely so he takes from his outsider perspective and lampoons it in a way that can be interesting to someone. And, and, and obviously, and obviously his is like a little bit more extreme because then he's throwing in slurs right. and all that kind of stuff that takes it to like a different level than just like making fun of something. Right. I guess my point is more like if you're okay with that, you're, you're able to like kind of mock something and you might think that you're not being mean spirited, but in a way you kind of are because you're mocking something because you don't understand it. And or maybe you know like you don't have the background completely you don't completely appreciate something this the way that the fans who do enjoy that thing do um then like that's i don't give a shit do that that's fine it's funny it's funny for people and it's 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 honestly the funniest part of stuff like that is the people who take the shit way too seriously and get really mad it's really funny to me when people get super mad about something like defending paul robinson because that's no it's, dumb. it's, it's like because because again like there's like i understand being someone like that who is like natural like inclination in life is to like make jokes at us at a stuff and especially when there's people that are on twitter that are like oh man look at how this story started all these years ago when tetsuya naito threw jay white his intercontinental title belt that's when we knew this would happen it's like like, nobody shit like that like i get like make fun of those people i fully adores being like okay that's really fucking that's really fucking goofy and making jokes about it like i under i understand that but i, I think uh, but like i said with you're saying a lot of the time it just sort of like comes from out of nowhere and it's just like okay like yeah the joke is over now right like, <laughs> but yeah i guess i guess my point is just like be willing maybe more people need to be able to like appreciate that like while you may not agree with something that someone says and the way that they do things that like they might not be that different from you. And my real answer isn't like Jim Cornette is fine and it's okay for him to be a bigot and use slurs and say all this stuff. But it is like, it's more like 
yeah, he's allowed to be dumb. Just like don't pay attention to it and don't care, or like just ignore it if you can't help yourself from but care because it's like, you know, he's you're kind of just doing the same thing, and everyone's allowed to just do that. So just like let it go, you know. Like it's, I guess it's hard though because it's like the fun of this stuff is that you know trolling and and doing the thing is like that you're actually making someone upset, you know. So I guess it goes both ways. Everyone just it's just trolls trolling you know, trolls. You know one of these weeks, I definitely want to have a conversation about how people are putting Jim Cornette back into relevance and just sort of like letting him ease himself back into wrestling. And like, I'm like, all right, guys, like we do realize that like between racism, homophobia, uh, xenophobia, like takes off, takes off a lot of boxes. And just because you guys kind of think that whatever is funny or you like whatever he does on his podcast when he talks about AEW and not liking AEW that like you do realize this is like a bigot right yeah <laughs> like just but, that, but that's like probably like another like another week because i want to i want to see if this still keeps going on or people just keep easing jim Cornette back in and praising him yeah i mean the thing is is that he's a good commentator i'm not gonna lie when I heard the couple times that he was on MLW, yeah, I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna say that Jim Corn, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that Jim Cornette isn't talented, like, right. like that, like that would be a lie. That's an indi- that that'd be like an indictment on me to not be able to like say here and like separate my bias or personal feelings towards towards like however he is in real life, and say that he isn't talented. Like a lot of people feel the same way about AJ Styles, and now sit here and praise AJ Styles and um call him all time great wrestler. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna sit here and um lambast anybody that says Jim Cornette is great at this particular thing. I just think it's weird how like we're sort of like easing him back into like being relevant again. Right. Well and we can talk about that, but this is a separate the art from the artist thing and it's like I am more than willing to say I appreciate Jim Cornette on commentary, maybe as a manager still. I don't know. I haven't seen him do anything recently. And like enjoy that in the context of the show but when you do exactly what you said and you normalize his rhetoric on twitter and you kind of yeah, that, having yeah, the that, person, that's what it is like yeah like like it's going beyond like just saying like oh jim, jim Cornette was going to mlw this week right. it's like goes to rationalizing and like justifying his social media behavior or calling out people that like can't get over his like past comments or social media behavior like that's where we get to like okay like why are we giving jim Cornette like a pass now and it's not it's not like a lot of people but i'm just seeing it and definitely something i'm keeping my eye on right and and you mentioned aj styles there and i think that the comparison or the point that i'm making there about kind of the separation of the art and the artist is that like (laughs) for the past few years aj hasn't said any slurs during his wrestling so it's a lot easier for me to see that argument because you're talking about how good he is as a wrestler and he doesn't really do a lot of his, any of his weird stuff outside of that arena, really, that people praise. But yeah, when you're when you're normalizing Cornette on Twitter and in the discourse and in the wrestling conversation where this is now the man, not the performer, not the art, this is the artist and you're kind of being OK with him, that's a different story. So I get where you're coming from on that, you know, saying he's good, doing his job on TV, fine to me you know saying that oh he's got some great takes on the young bucks or whatever like a different conversation because it is like how about we just don't let him really speak in you know private life public life on tv sure 
Um, outside of that, I don't really want to see or talk about or hear about his opinions. And I'm, so I'm kind of with you on that. Right. Um, so I guess, was there anything else you wanted to get into Quentin? Any other topics? I feel like I've dominated the conversation. Uh, we, we've touched on sup and all that stuff. We got to your, uh, Paul Robinson and <laughs> Zona 23 and I, I, and your irony wrestling. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Nomura versus Okabayashi. Oh, Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Um, go, go. Yeah. Tell, tell me about yeah, it. Takuya Nomura, yeah, Takuya Nomura versus uh, Yuji Okabayashi from J- Big Japan Pro Wrestling July 21st. Um, obviously, like me and Tim are getting to this like a little bit later than a lot of people are. And granted, like, a lot of people like, haven't been able to see this because this was only on um, Big Japan Core for a long time. And Big Japan Core, like, I've, I've heard it's made strides to getting better. But when it first came out, people were just like, oh, man, this is, like, terrible. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, like, there's not a lot of subscribers. And this match took a while to hit online. And, man, Tim, like, I've, like, I've, like when this match got first got announced, this got announced in, like, June. And I was really excited for it then. And it just didn't happen until the end of, end of July. And now and now I didn't, get even, didn't even get to see it until, like, the end of August. So it's pretty much been, like, a two-month wait for this match. And Tim, like... Gotta say, this was worth every bit of weight and lived up to like every bit of hype and expectations you could have in your in your mind. This this match was really, really, really great. Yeah, this kicked ass. Um, it's the bummer is that we're talking about this now, and I just see that the match popped up on XWT, and uh, I think it's just gonna make it look like me and you were just talking about it because we got it from there, which we did not. We got it before there. Um, in fact, we might know the people who uploaded it there. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, but it is true. Cause uh, you know, I have kind of, I know I've had that vibe when I've listened to podcasts and I'm like, they're talking about this now because it's finally shown up where you can download the torrent. Um, famously, I used to always remember that happening on, uh, voices of wrestling. They seem to always do their dragon gate catch up right after all of the footage showed up, uh, online. Um, but they would say, well, we just kept forgetting to watch dragon gate. Sure. Sure. That's what happened. Um, <laughs> that's not why we were talking about it we actually got it from somewhere else and uh we were watching it and then it popped up on there and uh i'll say this match kicked ass i wasn't i didn't really have any hype i didn't even know that it was coming up honestly i've kind of checked out on following really? big japan yeah i really have no i mean i i, I get it because big japan is like definitely have been trending downward in a lot of ways like not in just like online hype but even like you know like in Japan, yeah, I mean, is like it's yeah. just it's been trend, been trending a little. Well, downward. the Okabayashi injury really zapped my, you know, paying attention. Um, uh, Sakimoto really feels like he's phased down. Um, uh, you know, bring in Michael Elgin. Yeah, Michael Elgin shows up. Hashimoto is feels like they're determined to make him something that he's not. Um, which it's like I understand because there's no other lane for him there. Unless he wants to do death matches, it's like in Big Japan, you're either in strong division, you're in death matches, or you don't exist, really. I mean, you know, he he looks like a death match guy, though. He really does. So I kind of want to see him do it. He looks like a death yeah, match guy. He really does. But, uh, but yeah, so it's like there's no other place for him to be than to try to work in the strong division, but he really doesn't fit in the strong division, unfortunately. Um, you know, I mean, that's not to say that he never could. Um, and then, you know, uh, Takeda dropping the deathmatch belt. I think that was the last thing that was kind of keeping me in the loop on Big Japan. Um, so him dropping that belt, I just kind of stopped paying attention. And Yueki, because Yueki won the title from him, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Um, 
either that or he just had a big match but he's pretty good um but just yeah i just don't care um haven't been paying attention so then this pops up obviously i'm going to check it out because like i said one of the reasons i stopped paying attention is okabayashi's gone so of course i'm going to be excited to uh to watch him back with the title and uh goes up against namora here my only issues with the match would be that Nomura, and I, I can't blame him completely because it's a probably a pretty frightening situation to be in, but it felt like he died a lot in this match, unfortunately. There was times, especially in the middle, um, early on, where he just took chop after chop after chop and just felt like a deer in the headlights. He's just standing there taking them. And it's just, I want my baby face to show some fight. It's kind of the, it's the steamboat rule, right? You don't take more than like three moves of offense without doing something back. Um, so right. he's just getting chopped to death repeatedly and doing nothing. So I'm just like, he's dying. Then he starts going after the. So, I'll, oh, so, so, I'll, so I'll defend it in a way of like, he's eating these chops. But if you look at Nomura and there's like something that like finally clicked for me watching this match, is that he had has this like sort of Kota Ibushi esque like dead like dead eye look, and like if if you go back and look at these chops like. It's not like he's like it's like pain is isn't registering for him. It's not like he's in pain. He's like really taking these shots like and not even reacting to them. And you see his chest like get like welting up and getting red and like you know the blood vessels bursting. But you you look at his eyes and his eyes aren't giving you that. His eyes are like yeah go ahead keep doing this keep doing this and then I'm gonna fuck you up. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. And then the fact that he's really not a baby face in the match which i kind of thought worked pretty well here um, or not completely a baby face I, I wouldn't say that he was completely healed but working the arm stuff did feel a little bit more kind of heel ish i'll say um so that works for him and what you're saying makes sense but it felt in the moment i was just kind of like god this guy is just getting his lunch eaten then he goes after the arm and then <laughs> that's when yeah like that's when the match really takes off i loved namora's arm work throughout the match really stays on it great stuff and i was i was like so ready to get annoyed he gets the short arm scissor and a guy like okabayashi it's like what do you expect you know but i'm thinking about it and i'm like is he gonna be able to do it you know the the old bob backlin short arm scissor kind of power bomb power throw move um but okabayashi doesn't do it so i was gonna i was gonna be annoyed i was like god he's got the arm that he's been working on he's got the short arm scissor he can't do this shit you know but he, he doesn't do it so sticks with the story of the match could have easily seen that it would have really hurt the, the whole thing for me in a lot of ways just from the way things were going um loved repeatedly Nomura going after the arm um really loved okabayashi goes for a spear and Nomura kind of kicks or at least just gets a leg knee up into the shoulder yeah like yeah like a little bit of a variation of the usual like um like catch knee spot that we've seen from a lot of guys yeah so really like like not going for the spear like it's more like a knees like the whole body other than like just like just a headshot right yeah and he's going i mean he's going for that arm he's going for the shoulder arm area that he's been working on so it makes sense in the setting it was it was done really well i liked that a lot namora looked really good here going after that and this is not i mean it's not his normal game plan really and that also worked here too because it was a nice mix he wasn't just doing your kind of stereotypical what you would expect from arm work kind of stuff he was doing a little bit more of a bruiser brooding style arm work which makes sense in this setting but it also showed like you talked about that he or you know i guess maybe not exactly what you're saying but that he was going to need something to overcome particularly here and he went for the the kind of working over the arm it's all bandaged up taped up great match um really hot finish just 
everything's great. And having Okabayashi back feels really good because I was thinking about it and it's like, you know, Sakamoto is still very good. He'll always be good. He'll always be, you know, Mr. January, basically. Um, but he's definitely winding down, whereas Okabayashi as the champion really feels like the solid anchor of the company and the guy that should have the belt. So, yeah, having him injured, I think, really hurt, you know, the strong division in general. Having him back, I think, will be nice to have a solid anchor, at least for a while, and they can actually do something um, with the strong division. The Hideki stuff worked pretty well, honestly, for me, but I know that it doesn't work for everyone um, when he had the strong title. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, 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 like, I like Hideki. Uh, you know, like, look at my wrestling sensibilities from, like, shoe style to even, like, the well, like British style grapplers. I like, like, I, I like Hideki, but I can also sit here and be like, maybe he just wasn't always, like, the best fit for Big Japan. Right. And, yeah, so having Okabayashi back and having more solid kind of matches like this will at least be something to get a, peak a little bit of interest in the company. Um, so that's kind of my big picture thoughts. I don't know, did you have more big picture thoughts or stuff to say? Um... I think this is definitely the match that Takuya Nomura needed. Like, Takuya Nomura, since 2016, we've been talking about, like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. Sort of sort of in the way we, uh, people talked about Benkei. Because Benkei and Nomura debut in the same year. And we get those guys in the same year, we're like, oh, my God, like that's the future of, like, Japanese wrestling right there. We're going to see those guys become top guys very, very soon. And obviously we got to see Benkei get this, like, long overarching build and story um held the tag team belts held the triangle before eventually going in to open open the dream gate and so he had more of a typical pro wrestling rise so you know went and did everything before going and gained like the main title and then here we are with namora and namora was still being treated as sort of a young boy in a lot of ways where ben k like clearly graduated and was treated and being treated as like a pushed and protected member of the roster Nomura was still feeling like he was a young boy in a lot of ways. And he got a title match last year versus Hideki Suzuki. Um, where this is mostly grappling. It's not really a nasty match at all. But what happens is Nomura kind of pisses off Hideki and maybe gets closer to winning than Hideki would have liked. And Hideki just beats the shit out of him to end it in like a flash knockout kind of way. And that shows you like the levels of like where Nomura is at and where everybody else is at on the roster. And here we are a year later and Nomura is like beating the shit out of Yuji Okabayashi. And that is a really big turnaround from the level that Nomura was at last year. So I think this was like a, I can't call it a star maker. Um, but I do think this is like definitely a step in the right direction for seeing Nomura become the guy that we've always thought that he will become. And I guess like, I wonder what your thoughts, what your thoughts there are. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, on yeah, that? No, that's, I mean, that's a lot of <laughs> really, really pertinent and, incorrect points there um one thing i will say is that like you talk about it's not a, a star maker um and i think that unfortunately that's just kind of the nature of big japan um right now it's i don't i don't necessarily know that there's any star making in big japan really at this point i think it's it's, it's a shame too because like again look at that 20 look at that 2016 where you're getting like food 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 nakamura benkei and getting Taku, takuya nakamura and Big Japan is in a much different space back then. Right. And you're looking at that, you're like, oh man, like when Takuya Nomura gets there, like, whew, I can't I can't wait. That's gonna be really good. And now you look at it and you know, Benke was in a similar spot where where Benke's coming around twenty sixteen, everyone's like, Oh man, when Benke comes around, like that's gonna be a really big, really cool deal. 
And by the time it actually comes around, it's actually like, well, Benke needs to work because he needs to save Dragon Gate. Yeah, exactly. And right, and th- that's sort of a similar boat that Takuya Nomura finds himself in whenever he winds up winning that belt. If he wins it, there's going to be like, okay, well, Big Japan needs help badly, and what are you going to do about it? Right. Which I mean, yeah, but but you know, talking about it, it takes longer. It seems like it goes slower. It feels like it's not happening because big japan is a lot more old school in that regard and that has to do with the guys that we've already been talking about i mean sakamoto and and okabayashi feel like they're very old school in the way that they handle things the hierarchy the way things are presented i mean why do you think that they get along with suzuki and you know for the reason that so many people shit on suzuki for you know that that he doesn't just give everything to everyone you got to earn it in big japan a lot you really have to but the cool thing about it is that that build the real old school philosophy is why then you can have something like this and it feels like it means so much because they don't just do stuff like this so even if it was the more needing again to i won't it's not cheap but it is you know in the land of concussions you know what i mean in the lunk hand land of 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 just guys throwing their fucking bodies at each other as hard as they can until something falls off like grabbing a an arm bar is kind of a, a cop-out. Why don't you just fucking stand and throw? Like I talked about, he's getting chopped to shit and he's just standing there. Why aren't you throwing back? But instead he's saving it. And when the spear is coming at him, he does he kicks the arm. He goes after the arm. So it's not cheating, but it's definitely, it's not as honorable in the house style of what Big Japan is about. So it is like a good way to tease, can this guy go heal? What can you do with him? Also, you're kind of making him still, though, because he is standing toe-to-toe with Okabayashi, something that you wouldn't expect from him even just a few months ago, um, you know, compared to his last title match as well. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that there is, like, there's a positive there. But back to, like, kind of what I start out even talking about, it's like, I don't know that it matters. Like, unfortunately, Big Japan, I think, is a place that people, at least for us, pay attention to because they know that you can see some cool stuff and some good wrestling but it doesn't feel like a place where people are going to break out and that can change as well like at the drop of a hat something could change the way the inner workings and the politics of wrestling especially in japan very interesting right now so could new japan decide that they want to raid people from big japan at some point i don't think so but it wouldn't be out of the question you know that they decide to grab some people and then kind of if they get hot or if they seem like they're people who deserve it or or they do some kind of working relationship people have like wanted for years something like strong bj to show up in the tag league which is probably very unlikely but it's not out of the question so yeah i mean this is a step in the right direction namora seems believable he seems like he could be something for them but we're seeing in other places i mean for every kinto miyahara you know you turn around and uh and you get stuff like um oh god i can't think of his name but the noah uh, the GHC champion right now. Um, Kaito Kitamiya. Yeah, Kitamiya. Or Kiyomiya. Like, you know, for every Kent, you know, Miyahara, you get the Kitamiya where it's just not working. So, who knows? We'll see. Japanese wrestling is interesting in that hierarchy, but again, it goes back to what I said. Big Japan does a good job of building building guys up from underneath and, and really reinforcing that hierarchy. So, it's a lot easier when you decide to make someone a star, it doesn't take a lot for people to buy into them because once they start getting big scalps, that's enough. So we'll see. All right. I have one last question before we get to like, what will be the last topic here? Okay. Uh, who is the better no more? Takuya or Naoya? Uh, Takuya to me at least. Okay. Yeah. 
at this point after the Kento match, like if I could, if I if I had to compare like their biggest matches of the year, the Kento versus Naoya match and the Takuya versus Yuji match, I might I probably would say that I like Naoya and his big in his in his big match more. Mm-hmm. But I was just curious because, like, a joke between, like, all of us in the chat has been that Naoya was the bad no more and Takuya was the good no more. And I was wondering, like, if, like, now seeing, like, Takuya's big um, Takuya's big match, that, that might have changed for no. you. No, not yet. But we'll see. I mean, okay. I think it could. Like, but probably not. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> all right. Um, last thing that I even had any interest of bringing it up is... um. No, we don't really do WWE here, mm-hmm. but I think this is a like, sort of an interesting topic just because I think there's spawned like a lot of dumb discourse, and you know that happens when you know you combine all the WWE and NXT and AEW, and it all comes together to just create like terrible talking points and discourse. And here we are, and officially NXT is being moved to USA Network on Wednesdays in a two-hour block. And this became news as AEW's weekly show was going to be on Wednesdays on TNT. And a lot of people have had a lot of thoughts, (laughs) a lot of um, weird takes on this. And for me, before I give it to you, I think it's just really strange how far we go in order to be like, yeah, fuck AEW. And I get it, like, the people that are involved in AEW probably aren't the most likable. I understand that. But this idea that AEW picked Wednesdays to fuck with WWE is really weird. Because Mondays are Raw, Fridays are SmackDown. And then on TNT, they have obligations to the NBA on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Wednesday was the only day that made sense for them. So exactly like like AEW isn't sitting here trying to fuck with WWE. What are they gonna do? Air on Saturdays? Air on Sundays? That's, those are terrible days to try to run a weekly TV show. And like Wednesday was the only day that made sense for them. And I think it's really telling that people are still trying to find a way to make AEW seem like they're trying to test the arm of WWE and really um you know start something with them. It's like they only, they picked the day that made the most sense based off the network they were on and what WWE was already doing. If anything, right now you see WWE being reactionary, and I'm not even saying it's bad that they are, but you can you can call a spade a spade. Like you can say that like you don't have a problem with WWE doing this, but you also know what it is. Like they're going head up with them to trying to create some sort of war with them using NXT using using NXT. And that's fine, but I just don't like the fact that people are trying to view this as AEW starting something when all they did was pick the day that made the most sense for them and their company. Right, and the and the NXT stuff wasn't really out there, you know, when when they were making the decision. And also, they they again they had a lot of things holding, kind of tying their hands on what day they were going to pick. So Wednesday is the only thing that made sense. And WWE already has history of doing this, literally. With against AEW, they just did the the fucking you know evolve anniversary thing at the same time as a as a AEW show, and that one hundred percent got announced and put together after it had already been done. They did the shit with the NXT UK against the World of Sport reboot on ITV. Like, how are you really going to make the stance that this is AEW? They've AEW has not gone out of their way really 
to fuck with WWE. They've made some nods, but like stuff that people want to point out, like Cody destroying a throne on the TV, like on the show, is a lot. Yeah, I'm not saying like I'm saying like that. That's goofy on the show, minuscule stuff. And it's it's he, yeah, like it's happening. It's part of the entertainment. This is business stuff. This is a totally different realm, you know. And I'm, I'm saying like this is what we're this is what it comes to when it comes to AEW. Some people just don't like AEW. They don't like people involved. They don't like the discourse around it. They don't like people being excited about it. So they'll say stuff like that. And they'll conveniently forget all the other times WWE has counter-programmed against other things they perceived as, perceived as threats. But because it's AEW, oh yeah, AEW, they're sitting here trying to fuck, trying to fuck with them. They deserve it. Why, why does it have to be that way? You could not like AEW and acknowledge that, oh yeah, like this is WWE being completely reactionary and doing something deliberately to mess with AEW. That's 100% true, and you can still not like them. But I just don't understand why with AEW we have to jump through these hoops when we have WWE's history of doing stuff like this. And, like, who... You say the people behind AEW aren't the, you know, easiest to get along or easy for people to dislike, but, like, who of the people involved with AEW is in any way worse than Vince? Like, I don't... You know, like, I, I could... You could say that they're even i guess in some way if you wanted to but like i can't imagine saying that like well cody rhodes just comes across like a much bigger asshole than vince mcmahon like he really doesn't like at all so who what's the defense of wwe like what is the why do they need you to have their back against the the little guy you know it's it's fucking weird no but we know this is what this is though it's like vince mcmahon like fancies himself as like this underdog like like man of the people man of the working man and it's really strange like you know and Vince McMahon like has this idea of himself and yet people still in some ways believe that where Vince can spend something on a on a conference call and spin it into like oh poor like poor WWE and like what people actually go along but actually go along with it knowing Vince's entire history and I don't know like I think to me, this is definitely one of those instances where we see like the kind of like mind control people still have, like WWE still has over people where you can know Vince McMahon's entire history, but you have this AEW startup startup going on and you'll find a reason to side with WWE over them, even with WWE's history of deliberately counter-programming against, against people. Yeah, it's, it's fucking crazy, man. I don't understand, but it's the same, I mean... <laughs> You know, obviously this is a really trait comparison. People make it plenty, but it's like, it's the same thing as fucking Donald, like Donald Trump, like people pretending, like buying into him as like a working class, salt of the earth, you know, the the blue collar billionaire thing. It's like he's not. And how do you let yourself be duped by it? How do you buy into it? Vince, the same thing. Like there's nothing about Vince that even if he really is, even if his heritage is really coming from a trailer park and all that stuff about him. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like people that are that way. He doesn't like the common man, the working man. He looks down on the business that he's in and the people who enjoy it. Like, he's... I mean, he's a perfect wrestling promoter because he's carny as fuck and he hates the marks. But, like, why are, why do you have to have his back? Especially when his product is getting worse and worse by the day. Like, it feels like every fucking time i hear anyone talking about anything that has to do with wwe it's just how it's getting stupider and worse so like why and, and, and keep in mind like 
I don't think either of us are people that are going to sit here and say that we have thought all the AEW, sh- uh, the AEW shows up to this point have been great. No, definitely not. Neither of us, ne- ne- neither of us would say that. So I think a lot of the time when you sit here and, def- and like go against WWE and say like, yo, like these guys are doing some underhanded and clearly like malicious shit, it makes it seem like that you're like an AEW fanboy and you don't have to be that to look at what WWE is doing and be like, okay, like that, like that's pretty foul. I had, I had never had any intentions of watching the world of sport, um, rock reboot they were doing on ITV. Never had any intentions of making that like a regular watch for me, but I can still sit here and be like, Hey, like what, what, what these guys are doing here is pretty fucked up. It's pretty malicious and clear that it's malicious. And I don't know why we have to conflate this fanboyism and being anti WWE into like just like looking at something and like calling a spade a spade. Yeah, and they, I mean, yeah, they they murdered the UK scene intentionally. If you, if you, if you are someone who was a fan of Progress or even RPW at this point, even with Rev Pro still being decent, um, Fight Club Pro, any of those companies, really, if you were a fan of the European scene in any way. Like, really ask yourself, is it better now? Because I don't think that anybody would say that. And, like, it's clearly worse, and it's clearly because of the WWE. And if you don't believe that they did that intentionally, then, like, yeah, it's just... It's really frustrating. <laughs> it really is to hear people want to take that side. It, I don't even... I wouldn't even defend AEW completely because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I can't say. And yes, the Khan family are billionaires too, so who fucking knows? But at least give them a shot. At least give them a chance. Let's see what happens because, you know, what do they, they say that the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, but I, I don't personally agree with that. I think that there is a good chance that we could get at least something better. Even just the wrestling and the presentation of it could be better, and that's kind of enough for me. Like, if the wrestling was just better, if the product was just better, then that's that'll be enough. And then I'll be fine with that. But if the, you know, the workers, the practice towards the labor is better, the quality of, you know, how they treat the wrestling environment in general is better. You know, there's a lot of factors that can come into this that can be better. Not doing shows in Saudi Arabia could be a positive. There's a lot of things that they could do but let's give them a shot and then we'll see and then as soon as they start doing all the same bullshit that wwe does then i will take them to task for the same things right but you know you know you know what it is too is i think people kind of conflate like rooting for aew as oh you're only rooting for aew because of the people involved you're only rooting because it's the elite and kenny omega and the young bucks and um cody being involved here and it's like if mlw was in the same position i'd be rooting for mlw Like like that like like that like that's that's the kind of person I am. I don't have any attachment or investment in like this group of people running a company. I really don't care. I like their work in the cases of like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. I really like them. I think Kenny Omega is an all time great wrestler. I think the Young Bucks are all time great tag team. But that doesn't mean I have any investment in them running a company. If like I said, if this is MLW in the same spot, I'd be acting the exact same way with them. And I think people just have to stop like assuming with AEW it's some fanboyism because you like the elite. It's really not. Sometimes you just you kind of want to see stuff succeed. So when you want to see stuff succeed and you see deliberate ways into like to undermine that going on by the bigger company, like you can call it out and it not be some oh wow 
look at these AEW fanboys always trying to find something wrong with WWE here. Right. I mean, I never saw a single fucking episode of Being the Elite. I don't actually care about the Elite, you know? I think a lot of the members of what they consider the Elite, like, also, there's, like, people that I really don't like. Marty Scroll, like, you know what I mean? Like, not a huge fan. We ha- we hated, like, we hated Bullet Club. Yeah, like, right? Let's, like, let's remember, like, everyone hated Bullet Club while that was still a thing. Before they did the whole, like, splinter off and all of you all these like sub like subgroups and shit like people still hated the bullet club right so like so i don't so i don't know like what this idea is but yeah i think that was just the last thing i had to get off my chest before we before we can get out of here um yeah that works for me the only other thing i was gonna mention uh um chaos pro wrestling chaos closing down uh company me and you didn't follow super closely but seen some stuff from there um a lot of they had a good they had some good stuff with um Flash Morgan Webster playing heel. Um, I think that yeah, like the only the, yeah the only like Flash Morgan Webster like substantial heel run we got anywhere, and probably the reason why we got a Flash Morgan Webster heel run in progress for a little bit. Right. Um. Yeah. Solid. Solid company has some good stuff there. I think that a lot of their stuff was on that Your Fight app, um, which also had Zack Saber Jr. versus um, Brian Danielson. Um, so you might be able to still catch a good amount of that on there if people want to go back and check it out. Um, they 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 also do they also do have a or had some sort of partnership with um, IWTV. Yeah. I'm not sure going forward if they're going to upload like the entire old library to IWTV. But if you want to see some more recent stuff, then IWTV has some uh, stuff from the last couple yeah. of years and too. Hopefully they hopefully maybe they get some of the backlog up there. You got other companies that are doing that on IWTV putting some of their backlog up, so maybe we can end up with some of that on there. Um, I think they may have. But yeah, like a, a, a second company in the British wrestling scene goes down. Yeah, exactly. So back to what we were saying. If you you know you want to defend WWE against AEW, just ask yourself what did WWE do to the UK? You know, like we got another company. I was like, look, man. Like two companies in like the last like three weeks is like, <laughs> like you know like what are we doing here? Are we still gonna right. act like this wasn't like some big deal? But you know we'll you know this will keep we'll like we'll keep monitoring it and see how see how see how this stuff goes. But you know like it's it's not fun, it's not fun to see. And I hope I hope this is the, this is the last promotion closing we have to we have to deal with. But like. I can't, I can't, I can't say I'm too optimistic yeah, about that. Exactly. There's going to be more to come, but yeah. Um, so yeah, follow us on Twitter at Q and TR, uh, send us emails, uh, Q and TR at gmail.com questions, whatever stupid stuff you want us to talk about. We'll get to it. Um, that's it. Quentin, you can close us out. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I don't know what are we going to talk about next week? Royal quest. And, yes. I don't know. And yeah, Royal quest. And what else, what else is like Royal quest, NXT UK, Take uh, fake fake over. Yeah, fake over. Part yes. of my part. Part of yes, me. Yes, please. Um, and then there's something. Then there's something else going on. Uh, um, yeah, but yeah, whatever. We'll like. I don't know when those shows are happening. Either we'll preview or review those next week. But uh, yeah. See you guys then. Yeah.